You're listening to the Beltway Briefing, a podcast from Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies with perspectives from both sides of the aisle. Now for political insight and strategy, let's get started with your hosts, Howard Schweitzer and Mark Alderman. Guys, good afternoon. It's Tuesday, July 28th, and uh, it's our weekly podcast, The World. Gosh, there's a lot going on. It's hard to even know where to start, but we've got an intensifying uh, presidential election. We've got uh, legislation on Capitol Hill for the next round of, of COVID relief. Mark, size up what's going on out there for, for our devoted listening audience. <laughs> well, uh, 98 days to your first point, 98 days to November 3rd. Although I was saying to a friend of mine uh, last night, his birthday is November 11th. Mine is November 26th. And we figured we would know the results of the election somewhere in between our birthdays, because for sure it's, it's going to be a mess. But 98 days and intensifying. As you said, Howard, I think intensifying on our side, on the Biden side, because we're approaching a VP pick, we're approaching a virtual convention, intensifying, Jim, on the Trump side, because it it sure looks and sounds and feels like he knows he's losing and intensifying is, is the response. So- well- where where are we? What does intensifying mean for Biden? Does that mean moving from the basement to the dining room or no? Like, what that does that would, mean, Mark? I'm not in favor of that move. No. I'm so glad Howard no. said that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not in favor of that move. It means there's a there's an actual uh, event coming up too. There's the selection of a vice president. There's the uh, virtual convention. But you guys have been yucking it up about the basement uh, for months. Meanwhile, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Uh, No unforced errors is the Biden mantra. I'm not sure that it isn't broken. And and look, I like Joe Biden and um, I'm glad he's the Democratic nominee. But I've had not one, but two people. Two friends of mine in swing states in the last 24 hours tell me that they don't think that Joe Biden should be president because um, they don't think he is all there. And that's uh, that's an issue. And that's an issue that is going to, I predict, gain some traction in in the coming in the coming months particularly as we get into debate season and by the way these are both people who supported hillary clinton last time around so these are not trumpsters that are saying this they're people who voted for hillary mark i think i think you're gonna see howard you know a lot coming out of the trump camp the campaign side really going at joe biden and trying to define joe biden and he's got a record that not everyone has seen in, in the bright lights of the television screen. Running for vice president is nowhere near like running for president. That's going to be front and center. Um, he's got a unity plan, if you will, with 
Bernie Sanders that isn't all that appealing to Americans. It's, it, ma it masquerades as something other than the Green New Deal, but it's really a Green New Deal. It masquerades as, as not defunding the police, but has the impact of defunding the police and, and causing a lot of it, you know, bringing to light that Joe Biden is being run by the far left of the Democratic Party, the Democratic Socialists, if you will. But, but we can argue that all day, Mark. I think that's going to be what we I see coming out of the Trump camp in terms of in terms of both earned media and media campaign in the coming weeks. And I think the press, you know, I think, you know, uh, I think the campaign has done a very good job this week. Even with the new leadership, we've seen the president be more on message this week. Howard and I were just no, talking no, no. about that the other day. Yeah, well, the other day he was for a day. You got a day out of it. It it only lasted a day. It's it's long gone with his recent uh, tweet storms about a treatment for the uh, coronavirus that his own FDA uh, has cautioned against. But but there is an interesting phenomenon. I'll grant you that is going on. I respectfully, Howard, two friends do do not a, a pattern make. But I, I hear you. What is interesting, Jim, is, is what you were just saying. It's interesting to me, I hope, to our listeners. You have, with your side, a, a campaign and a candidate where the campaign has no prayer of controlling the candidate. The candidate is who he is. There's no pivot. Anybody who's still waiting for it is, is just not paying attention but you have a lot of money and a lot of smart people. And we're going to see if the campaign can carry the candidate over there. Little bit of that on our side, Howard. Little bit yeah, of that on I our side. And I it's, don't know. Look, like, the la this is the same guy that ran in 2016, Mark. This is the same guy that said things that got himself into trouble in 2016. This is the same guy that dealt with Billy Bush weekend. This is the same guy that, you know, that didn't have a prayer in June, got a little bit of a, a bump in July because of the convention, but then the numbers dipped again in September and lo and behold, he wins. So I think that to say, okay, that the, the Trump has got to sit back and let the campaign win it for him. No, no, I'm no, not no, so no. sure that's the case. That I, mean, I think, you, case. Sit, I think uh, you sit no, in no, no. Lower Marion, Pennsylvania and wherever you and up there where you spend your summers and you've lost touch with what you know average everyday Americans care about. Well, we're going to find out. That is certainly not what any of the evidence, other than Howard's two friends, uh, suggests. And those are great talking points. That's what you got to say if you're trying to defend a candidate who every day is defying the advice of his own. No. But my point is, these were people, these are people who were not Trumpsters. These are people who are in the middle, who voted for Hillary, Mark. And, and, and I'm not saying two people make a pattern, but I also don't believe in coincidences. And if you're hearing it from some, lots of, lots of others believe it. And I think it's an issue for Biden. I think in many ways, Biden is lucky to be running for president at this time because he can't be out on the campaign trail. He can't, you know, he's not doing town halls. He's not 
you know, giving speeches. He's not giving a rousing speech at at a convention in front of 25,000 people. And in a lot of ways, he's lucky. And I also think, you know, I'm beginning to hear from my Democratic friends that I'm talking to. I mean, I, you know, all of us are on the phone all day, every day with folks around D.C., even if we're not sitting in D.C. So, you know, that's just the way the times are. And I'm starting to hear my Democratic friends talk about planning the Biden presidency, talk about the first 100 days, talk about some of the major legislative initiatives, licking their chops, getting ahead of themselves. And I think they're hanging the curtains. Terrible sign. No, no, no. The campaign, I promise you, being in daily, if not hourly contact with them, I promise you that neither the candidate nor the campaign is getting ahead of itself. As Jim very well knows, there is a transition effort underway, as there always is, as there was. Jim was part of it in 2016. Governor Case, uh, excuse me, Governor Christie was running it until he wasn't, Jim. But yeah, if you're talking to people who are talking about what a Biden administration may look like, I'm not surprised. I hear that too. But that is not to say that there is any complacency, that anybody is getting ahead of themselves. And your point about Biden being lucky, the uh, and I know you don't mean this. I'm not calling you out on something I know you don't mean. There is nothing lucky going on for anybody in America right now. But it is an advantage that uh, Biden doesn't have to compete with Trump rallies and doesn't have to give speeches to 25,000 people. Today, by the way, I know neither of you is marking this anniversary. 25,000 people wouldn't but come I am. to Biden rally. Today, today is the 16th anniversary of uh, the 16th anniversary of Barack Obama's keynote address at the 2004 Democratic National Convention in Boston, speaking of great speeches to a, a hall full of people. Neither of these guys is giving a speech like that. We we know it. Although the message, the message, uh, at least on Biden's side, uh, is similar. But Jim, let me ask you something that that I heard last night. I think idle gossip. It was from a a wash a member of the Washington establishment, like Howard. It was from one part of the permanent <laughs> the permanent government in Washington, in and out of government. And he was saying that he would bet me dinner that Trump dumps Pence for Nikki Haley. Can't see that happening, can you? No, I can't. I, I, and, you know, that's been the banter around town, you know, for a couple of years now, Mark. And there's been no sign of that. The vice president has been a loyal and good messenger for the president. Um, stays on message, doesn't make mistakes. You know, he's he's steady and solid all the way through. And, you know, from a pure political perspective, um, you know, he was a great pick four years ago. He did the, the president didn't need the base solidified, but if 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 he, but what he did need was some credibility that he was going to do what he said he was going to do in terms of judges and some of the more conservative agenda issues. And Pence brought that home for him. 
And he did consolidate. No, no, I can't imagine. I took the bet. I don't know when I'll ever get to see my uh, friend for dinner since I'm up on Nantucket and he's uh, in Vail. But <laughs> but I did take the bet. And I think Pence uh, consolidated the evangelical base right. for Trump. And Trump Trump's not not dumping him. But Jim, who do you guys want? Mark, uh, that's a Jim real slice of Americana. Nantucket to Vail. You don't <laughs> I, think we're going to let that go, do you? I, you don't think I didn't put it out there so you knuckleheads would it's have like something to say? It's a grapefruit coming across the I, you, I hope you guys know me well enough by now to know that I was doing you a favor, setting you up. I, I was looking forward to another talking point. Jim, who who does the Trump campaign want to run against as vice president? Who do they want to run? I don't think it matters. I mean, I would say, and, and if I'm sitting in those shoes, I like Elizabeth Warren, right? Um, but at the same time, we've talked about this. Elizabeth Warren brings along with her energized Bernie type voters, right? And she's a pit bull and and a good debater and a person who, you know, is is a great, you know, great on the attack, on the political attack. Um I don't think anyone else I think I think I don't think it makes a big difference who he picks as vice president. I never think it makes a big difference. I help I think it helped Trump a little bit. But by that time, Trump had put out a list of potential Supreme Court justices, and that issue was almost off the table at that, right? And yeah. I think that just brought home more credibility for Trump. You know, it, with Pence, I don't know what Joe Biden gains by any of these candidates. Mark, who well, are I, you? Who are you excited about on the vice presidential shortlist? Yes, list? yes. Uh, excited. A long list. No, excited about none of them, but. <laughs> But Tammy, but Tammy Duckworth, I'm very impressed. They aren't exciting candidates. Tammy right. Duckworth is a very impressive, substantial, substantive public servant, and I would be thrilled if if she were running. Yeah, it's a with, good pick, but doesn't bring you much. No, pick. but it also uh, satisfies the do no harm rule. I think. I think the Correct. real rule. I, I personally. Make your announcement, get in, get out, get past it. Just just do no harm here. But uh, my candidate is is Senator uh, Duckworth. It's kind of like Obama did last time. I mean, you know, it, when he chose Biden, he picked a do no harm candidate. And then once Biden started talking, mm -hmm. they shut him up because he was doing harm. Yeah. You know, and, and, yeah. and that's really what happened. Well, in. For those uh, political scientists among us, uh, the I don't know that there's been a vice presidential pick that really mattered since Lyndon Johnson and and Texas. I guess uh, Sarah Palin did not help John McCain, but he wasn't winning anyway. And mostly right. they they just don't mostly they just don't matter. And and do your do no harm. I think is. She gave a good convention speech, though, Mark. She gave she, a good convention speech, and then that was it. And then that was it, right? <laughs> she fell <laughs> off a cliff. <laughs> Correct. She drove herself right off. But she could see Russia. Oh, this is pretty good. And yeah. then it fell apart. <laughs> no, we were scared. Absolutely. We were scared. Well, there, there have been some harmful 
some harmful picks. I just, it's not, a, it's not an exciting list. I think he hemmed himself in, uh, promising to pick a woman. And um, I don't know. We'll see. But, I read a long article yesterday on Susan Rice. Well, um, I, I will share with you that uh, the founder and chairman emeritus of our law firm, with whom I had a, a chance to chat the uh, other day, believes it will be Susan Rice. He's He is pulling for and predicting a Biden-Rice ticket. I think he's wrong. I, uh, I'll go I, out on a limb and say that, that he's been wrong before. Look, I, I don't, you know, we've we've heard rumblings that that this investigation on unmasking and other things that's moving forward. We just heard today that there there is an invest there is an investigation being run by yet another U.S. attorney, John Bash from Texas, my former colleague in the White House, uh, who's now the U.S. attorney in the Western District of Texas, that has a separate investigation than Durham's running on the unmasking issue. Uh, the do no harm part of it, they don't know what's coming from that. And I just don't think they pick her because of it. I don't, I don't understand the pick. I don't understand it on any level. She has no political experience. She no, has no experience running for office. Why right. would you do that? I mean, she's yeah, a well, very impressive, substantial, generally well-liked, thoughtful, uh, creative, and aggressive in a very good way operator. But she has no experience running for office, and there's a big difference between being the national security advisor and being a heartbeat away from the presidency with a guy who will be north of 80 during his term if he were so lucky as to win. It just makes no sense to no me. No comparison between her and Tammy Duckworth. No, I agree. I, I and I, I think I agree with your, you, your analysis. You there, put Mark. you put your finger on what would bother me most about a a rice pick, uh, which is how do you pick someone who has never run for office when all you're trying to do is pick someone who can go 75, 80 days without making a mistake? Well, and put to the other part, Mark, if you haven't run for office, you've never really been vetted. I mean, when you take big jobs, sure, you get vetted for certain activity in order to get clearances and the like. But political liability vetting, that comes through running for office. And I just don't see it with Susan Rice. Just don't see yeah. it. Well, I think Steve's wrong. Steve Cozen, our chairman, for uh, those of you uh, keeping track at home, I, I think it's not Susan Rice. And and we will know soon. We're approaching August. Uh, I guess since we last had a podcast, Jim, I, I think I'm remembering correctly, you were uh, relieved of any obligation to go to Jacksonville. That, I was. That part of your convention uh, is no more. So what's happening uh, in Charlotte? There, there'll be actual delegates coming to Charlotte, I, I think I read. I don't know, Mark. I mean, you know, I think we're going to know more shortly. But, yeah, I was relieved of it. I wasn't going anyway, as we discussed in the last um, podcast. Okay. But I think we'll just have to wait and see what comes next. I mean, it's all fluid at this point. Good decision not going uh to Jacksonville for all the obvious virus reasons, but also uh, 
You may have been there too, Jim. I was in Jacksonville for the Eagles Patriots, uh, the first Eagles uh, Patriots Super Bowl, and they they couldn't handle the Super Bowl. I don't know how they were going to handle the Republicans. I was not in Jacksonville. I was home watching it, but I um, I agree with you. I mean, I just I, I think it's better that it's not happening in Jacksonville at this point. I, I was not going for the obvious reasons. Also, because I don't, I don't think it was going to be all that well attended by folks either. So, I, so and anything I need to do, which is TV related, I can do from a studio somewhere. Yep. Guys, yeah. in our few remaining minutes, let's pivot to the legislation that Mitch McConnell introduced last night Good. Um, in Congress for the next coronavirus relief package. This is called the HEALS Act, which will spawn <laughs> endless yeah uh puns, we can start but, with the puns right here but, oh my gosh yeah um, i'll spare you but i'm, I'm buying yeah. mitch mcconnell a stapler because he couldn't even staple all the provisions of the act together in one place it was it was not a beautiful rollout uh, it's a mess i guess jim do you think something eventually passes and Mark, talk to us about the politics of the negotiation here in light of the upcoming election. I think it's going to be large. I think, yes, something ultimately passes because I think the White House is going to put their thumb on the scale and get something through. And that's the only way I think that this gets done is is the same way the last round got done. And and, you know, there, there are certain things that need to be rolled out of this thing. There are certain needs that the country has. And, you know, the, all the we knew this was going to be a political football. It is. And there's going to be some fighting. But I think we get there. Mark, what do you think? I think so. I think something you just said, Jim, uh, from what I am hearing is, is spot on. I uh, was on the phone with uh, a Democratic, of course, United States senator, just before uh, we jumped on this podcast. And what he said, Jim, is what what you just said. Uh, maybe he was channeling you. He said that the politics of this in Washington are are very surprising to him, but very, uh, very clear that uh, Meadows and Mnuchin, that the administration is much more determined to get something done than McConnell is. That McConnell, for reasons that he wasn't wasn't altogether sure about, is okay with the idea that nothing gets done. Maybe that's because of what he's hearing in his caucus. But the administration is going to make something happen. What happens uh, will be to be determined they're they're very far apart right now on the on the national politics howard the electoral politics you know the i i find it amazing that with an election 98 days away the republicans are proposing to cut that um, unemployment benefit so dramatically it it leaves the democrats politically in the advantageous spot of of advocating for something that that millions and millions of Americans want and need, and the Republicans saying no. 
So I, I think, I think whatever comes out is going to be good for, for the good guys. I think it's going to benefit the Democrats, but there is a lot of work to be done between now and August 7th. Well, I think the White House goes a little heavier on that number, Mark. I think they have to. I think they'll go a little heavier, but they do have to listen to the folks. You know, you don't have to go farther than many of our clients that are in the trucking industry and some of the some of the service type industries where people aren't coming back to work and they can't find folks to drive trucks because they, they can stay home, be safe, collect a, collect a decent wage, sometimes more of a wage than what they were getting before and in some of the service industries. So the, you have to be cognizant of that as well. I think the administration especially needs to be cognizant of that. But there is some – there. I think the Senate did the administration a favor by going so low because now the administration can yeah, come in. I agree. Give a little. Yeah. Give a little. I agree. They'll find something in the middle. The uh, HEROES Act, the Democratic House uh, bill, of course, had a trillion dollars for state and local government. The Republican HEALS Act um, had exactly zero, zero, as in zero. So there's a massive, there's a massive upcoming negotiation. It will not be done by August 7th. It's it's impossible, I I believe. Um, They're going to come back right after Labor Day. And I think that's when you'll see them get something or they stay in longer they they don't leave jim they don't leave yeah how do you go home with the hardship out there public health and economic hardship and say sorry uh we vacation came up and and we couldn't get our job done i think they'll stay i howard there's a chance an outside chance it's august 7 but if it isn't it's august 10 or august 12 they they are going to get it done Somehow they got to get it done by mid-August. For among other reasons, you got a uh, a convention coming up on on one side in late August. But I, it'll be really interesting to see where the action is in the negotiations. Pelosi and Schumer met with Meadows and Mnuchin for the first time in all that's gone on. I, I believe yesterday, maybe the day before, and and again I'm. I'm being told by uh, a senator that, that that's where the deal's going to get cracked, and that that McConnell is an outlier but here. That's been the Agreed. that's been the same every time. I mean, that's been where the deal's gotten done. We're now in, depending upon how you count, round four and a half or round five of legislation, and that's the way the deal's been cut every time. Mnuchin is the one guy. Um, the one person inside this administration that's been able to um, negotiate with with Pelosi and Schumer and has throughout this and is going to continue to. And that's where the deal gets cut. Well, but I think also, Howard, very important there is the insertion of Mark Meadows, because what he does is help bring along some of the more conservative House members and more conservative members of the Senate, because when he blesses it, it's it's you know Martin, you're not going to get a more respected member of of the right side of the of the Republican caucus, if you will. And I think that will bring 
credibility to whatever deal is put together between Mnuchin and Pelosi. So, Jim, who negotiates with Trump? Is that Mnuchin also? Somebody's got to get him to sign whatever happens here. Oh, I think I think it's 100% Mnuchin and Meadows. And Meadows, I think Meadows yeah. has done a really good job as chief of staff and, um, and, and really has the ear of the president and I think can really convey what the caucuses are thinking. So I, I, I think I think we're, they're well suited to deal with the president. They're they're just managing up. They're just stroking his ego and you know telling him that he's a great negotiator and you know they're doing all the negotiation. That's I mean he's he's kind he's a he's a bystander. Let's let's call a spade a spade, Jim. He's a bystander and in this he's handed the reins to Mnuchin and 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 I guess to Meadows and that's where it'll happen. Yeah, but I, but I think in the end, Howard. You know, he is going to have to be convinced. He is going to have his hand in that pot. Um, but, yeah, he's giving it to the right folks yeah. to negotiate, no doubt. All right. Well, guys, spirited as always. Um, Jim, I, I'm looking at you in your office in Philadelphia right now, which is... Uh, I'm wearing a suit. I'm in my office. It feels pretty it's, good. It's a little disturbing <laughs> to me, but but well, that's just me. It's very Republican of you, Jim. <laughs> You're, you look the part today. I'll give you that. All right, guys, we will talk next week. And thanks, everybody, for listening. Great. See you guys. Thank you for listening to the Beltway Briefing. If you liked our show, subscribe on iTunes or Spotify. And while you're at it, drop us a rating. To learn more about the Beltway Briefing or Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies, please visit our website at copublicstrategies.com.